in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. The Golden Knights play tonight. They take on the Flyers' 7 p.m. start. But if we go back again, they came back to beat the Dallas Stars on Wednesday. Mark Stone, hey, finally scored against a goalie. Did it twice in that game. But Alex Petrangelo said afterwards about Mark Stone's celebrations. It's crazy. I love it. I've never seen him get so excited. I think he broke my hand with a high five on the first one. Uh, Q, do you want a teammate that is so excited after a big play that he almost injures you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, that's right up my alley. Are you kidding me? That I am that teammate. I'm that teammate. I'm the guy that might have broke his hand. That is right up my alley. That is what you call. That's the true definition of full throttle. Tyler, you have no idea. I get so I get so fired up and I get so excited. And Jared is my witness. He's seen this. When I do the first segment of the show each day on Raider Nation Radio 920, uh, and it's a good segment, and nine times out of ten it's a really good segment. And so, you know, every once in a while you have that, you know, just stumble out of the gates. But when it's a really good segment, as soon as the mics get turned off and I put my headphones down, I have a big fist pump and boom, that's how you start a show. Let's go, baby. Let's get fired up. That's me. You're lucky that you're not in the building when that happens. But everyone in the building's like, oh, no. The loud dude's uh, on the air now. Here he goes. He also does this during interviews, but he doesn't do it verbally. He just starts, like, punching the air, and there's, like, <laughs> about a 50% chance that at some point a salesperson is going to walk in to talk to him, and he's just <laughs> going to knock it, knock them the bleep out. Are you gonna Are you going to, like, dislocate your shoulder one day, Q? There's a very good chance of that. I mean, there really is. One time I was in the studio, and I got so excited about I don't know what it was. I started... Uh, like pounding on the wall, not realizing that the bookshelf was on the other side of the wall, <laughs> right there in the hallway, and literally stuff started falling off the walls, and Kira comes running down the hallway and says, what in the world are you doing? And I said, what are you talking about? She's like, there's things, trophies, there's posters, there's all kind of pictures falling off the wall. Who's pounding on the wall? And I go, oh, my bad. It was a really good question I just asked. <laughs> <laughs> That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> The Titans claimed Texans linebacker Zach Cunningham off waivers. So Cunningham was suspended by the Texans last week because he was late for a COVID test. And then they waived him. The Texans are going to have to eat $5.5 million in dead cap this year and then 12.8 next year because they signed him to a four-year extension in 2020. Uh, on the Raiders side of this, they obviously have some significant linebacker injuries. Divine Diablo had to play there uh, in last week's game. They signed Will Compton. Nick Kwiatkowski's already on IR. Should they have put in a claim for Zach Cunningham? No doubt about it. Absolutely. I mean, they, they need a linebacker like Zach Cunningham. Denzel Perryman's been a really good addition to the team. Matter of fact, he's actually played better than I thought he was going to play this season. Uh, but he is banged up right now. And Corey Littleton has been, well, he's just been you know, up and down throughout the course of his Raider career. So uh, they need a guy like Zach, Zach Cunningham. I, I liked him coming out of Vanderbilt in 2017. Thought that the Raiders should have took a shot at him. They didn't, and uh, the Texans had a really good linebacker. But uh, David Culley there in Houston is trying to – he's trying to establish something, and, and well, <laughs> there's not a lot going on there in Houston. So I understand Zach Cunningham not being in a hurry to get there to a COVID test. Um, all right. Do you know about Sutton Smith? Uh, Yeah, he was – he's the – 
He's the fullback, but really he's a he's an edge rusher yes. that you know was yes. was the dude right and, and played against or with Max Crosby. Uh, same conference, uh, yeah. So against Max Crosby, yeah, he beat out Max Crosby. He, there you he go. Beat him for Defensive Player of the Year in the MAC two years. Uh, he led the nation in sacks. I know this is edge rusher, not linebacker, but we're just right. we're trying to find defensive pieces, and and I think you know he should get a look as edge rusher. I think that be. I, I, Put him at linebacker. Hell, let him just rush the passer from there. It'll probably be better. Blitz Man, for once. Look, if he can get after the quarterback, you know, Gus Bradley <laughs> says he likes to see, uh, you know, these guys come in waves. Well, that could be another wave, especially with Carl Nassib. He's banged up. Malcolm Kuntz at least got some burn on Sunday. Got a sack. How about that? Seven plays and one sack. That's 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 efficient right there. What do you think? According to George Takata, David Carr will not coach at Fresno State. Uh, Takata tweeted, David Carr tells me exclusively that he will not join <laughs> Jeff Tedford on the Bulldogs coaching staff. Kids are still young and is committed to spending most of his time with them through their high school years. Did not rule out coaching at Fresno State in the future. Uh, do we? Was David Carr offered a position or is he just out there being like, yeah, I don't want it to something he wasn't offered? I never heard about him getting offered <laughs> any kind of a deal, but it's good to know that he's uh, talking exclusively to George Takata. I think that that's really uh, major right there. But, uh, yeah, great. I mean, David Carr obviously uh, has great ties with that Fresno State program, but, um, yeah, I, I, didn't, I never heard of him being even a candidate uh, to be on that coaching staff. But there you go. Hey, what do I know? I can exclusively report that I will not be joining the UNLV <laughs> coaching staff. Are you sure? You could be. I mean, I got, I have, a, hey, I've got some scouting experience. Does maybe, maybe I'd have to be like in Fresno State or covering Fresno State. Does David Carr like carry a lot of weight as a former player? Yeah, like he he had he had the one unbelievable season there where right. he threw like for forty something touchdowns, but like. I mean, Derek Carr came in and overshined him, right? And it was, we're talking, what, 20 years ago that David Carr? Like, I'm just curious how much weight that he, he actually carries. He was the first pick. I know, but it's like Anthony Bennett was the first pick at UNLV. It's not like yeah, if he showed was... back up, would he be like, oh, my God, Anthony Bennett's here. No, that that I still can't believe Anthony Bennett ever got picked <laughs> it, as high as he did. That, that made me scratch my head. But no, uh, the cars in, in general, David and Derek, none of them, they don't uh, – they don't. They don't eat. Or they don't pay for dinner in in Fresno, man. They don't. As a guy that spent a long time in Fresno, the car's name carries a ton of weight there uh, in the five five nine. So now, yeah, David. David does carry some weight there, uh, even though, like you said, that was a long time ago. But yeah, he he's he's still he's still Fresno royalty. Let's put it like that. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that back? Did you put those together? Yeah. Or did he say that back to back? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I fused them. <laughs> Are you going to start putting together every Rich Passaccia a great question from here on out? No, I just anytime anyone says great question, whether it be sarcastic or <laughs> otherwise, that's that's that it's an easy transition. All right, uh, Ohio State quarterback Quinn Ewers is set to transfer. Uh, if you don't know about Quinn Ewers, he was a freshman for Ohio State this year that did not play, but he was the quarterback that left <laughs> high school a year early mm -hmm. and enrolled at Ohio State, and the reason he did that is because he was in the state of Texas and the state of Texas doesn't allow high school athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness. He went to college, obviously new rules, and he could do that. He signed a $1.4 million NIL deal before he even got to Ohio State. But the problem is that apparently that deal had some sort of clause stating that he had to start so many games. 
And Ohio State, I guess, wouldn't guarantee that Quinn Ewers would be the starter next year, therefore allowing him to make $1.4 million. So he's transferring and presumably just looking for a school that's going to start him right away so he can cash in on that $1.4 million. What are we doing here? It's great. What it's are we phenomenal. doing here? It's I, awesome. I, I just want to know what we're doing here. I mean, and I remember when this happened, I was in the state of Texas. And, of course, you know, Tyler, Texas high school football is everything. So when he left and dished out on his uh, senior year, everyone thought it was, you know, like, like I don't know, kicking your mother down the stairs. I mean, it's the worst <laughs> thing you could ever do, you know. And then he goes and signs this NIL, which I have no problem with. I love the fact that these guys have an opportunity to cash in on, on who they are. But – but what are you earning? What has he earned? What has he done? And now, because Ohio State is not guaranteeing he's going to be the starter, now he's going to transfer instead of just going out there and earning the starting job? I'll tell you right now, if you said, Q, all you have to do is be a starter and you're going to get $1.4 million, guess what? Ain't nobody standing in front of me. I'm going to be a starter. I will guarantee I become a starter. I will do everything <laughs> in my power to be a starter because I want that $1.4 million. Instead, this dude took the easy road out again and said, oh, I'm going to transfer somewhere where it's easier for me to become a starter. That's that's weak. Q, Q would be like, but, all right, fine, not quarterback, but try me at fullback. <laughs> Doc, you can put me wherever you want. I don't care. Okay, starter, I'll be a starter. That's fine. I'll make it happen. Listen, just tell him to come to UNLV. They got 12 starts for him. He'll cash in on that NIL, and UNLV will have an uh, upgrade at the quarterback position. Will they? I assume so. Exactly. That's, that's what that's what we have to do is we have to assume because we haven't seen this young man go out there and earn anything. And the only thing I really hate about this situation, <laughs> his name starts with a Q. And so they might call him Q. And now he's associated or I'm associated with this guy. Oh, come on, Q Ewers. Let's call you Q out in Vegas. You can be the quarterback <laughs> for UNLV. Happy yeah. to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. The Las Vegas Aces season starts on May 6th in 2022. They're going to take on the Phoenix Mercury. Fun opening night matchup for the Aces. But they don't have a team. More interesting. <laughs> they have five players under contract right now. Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum. Oh, they got a lineup. Dierica Hamby, Jackie Young, and Destiny Slocum. Uh, Asia Wilson is a restricted free agent, so presumably Asia Wilson is going to be back. Right. It'd be pretty disastrous for the franchise if Asia Wilson is not back with the team next season. But like Liz Cambage is, is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, she also rejected a chance to play for the Australian national team at the upcoming Women's World Cup, which is in Australia in 2022. So it'll be interesting to see Bill Beard. He's basically got a roster he's got to put together. He's got a good base there. Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, Dierica Hamby, Jackie Young's a very good, you know, sort of four to build around with Asia Wilson, presumably being there too. But he's absolutely got quite a bit of work to do to make the Aces a title contender yet again. Didn't the GM take another job, too? Yeah, uh, Dan Padover. Uh, yeah. I can't remember which team he went to. Was it Atlanta, maybe? I think it's Atlanta. Yeah, yeah I think he went to Atlanta. So, that's, I mean, that is something right there. And uh, Cam Beige, I, I like her just because of her facial expressions she makes during games. <laughs> and uh, what do you mean that's a foul? I didn't do it. And after every single play, it's like, yeah. what? She's, like, shocked that anything happened. I love I love those facial expressions that she makes. It's just it's comical. Now, that, they got some work to do that'll put together a team, and, and obviously their team's got to be a good one because the expectations are that they're a really good team. So they got a lot of work to do.
Kelsey Gray, Kelsey Plum, De'Erica Hamby, Jackie Young, Destiny Slocum. Is this the least Bill Lambeer lineup? Yes, they can put the, on the, the floor? post players are just not there. They're De'Erica <laughs> Hamby's like the only one right now. And by the way, that's like, if we're talking she about the Aces. them not to shoot right? threes. Yeah, if we're talking about the Aces winning a title, one of their big issues is that they have been so post-heavy to a point right. where they haven't had enough shooting in a lot of these games. They haven't enough spacing in a lot of these uh, playoff matchups where they lose. I'm curious to see if it's Bill Lambeer. This is that's how he won games. I'm curious to see if he changes somewhat. If he says, okay, I tried Asia Wilson and Liz Cambage, the two dominant post players didn't get us a title. So we're keeping Asia Wilson and we're trying to acquire, you know, another guard or whatever that's an all-star level player. I'm curious to see what he does because it's certainly with Asia Wilson, you're you're a title contender as right. long as you put a good team around there. So that's it's certainly there. The opportunity is there for them to win. Well, with this lineup right now. They currently have Kelsey Plum doesn't have to worry about being the sixth player of the year. <laughs> they don't even have six players. Bingo. <laughs> Next question. All right. A 15 year old is going to graduate from UNLV this month. Um, yeah. KT and V's got a story on him and it starts out great. He failed third grade. And then, well, that's, I mean, who has it? His mother decided <laughs> let's, let's homeschool him. And apparently when he got to about 11 years old, she was like, he's way too smart for me to be teaching him. So they enrolled him at Fullerton College, and he got four associate degrees. Wow. And now he's going to graduate with a bachelor's in history from UNLV. Jack Rico, a 15-year-old, has is about to have five college degrees. So I need to talk to his third-grade teacher. That's what I need to do <laughs> is because I want to know what in the world did this smart dude do to fail in third grade if all of a sudden he had four associate degrees from Fullerton College at the age he was at, and now he's graduating from UNLV at 15. Something doesn't add up here. And also, I need him to hang out with me because he'll he'll help you know get me a little bit smarter. Uh, I I genuinely think you fail third grade because you're so bored with like, okay, yeah, I, I got it. I've I've read the goosebump the goosebumps book. I I've done the book report. Now I'm gonna go do some stupid stuff. <laughs> How do you fail third grade and you're that smart? How do you fail third grade? I mean, period. I got suspended a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, how do you wait? Hold on. How do you get suspended in third grade, Jared? There's you're bored. You're like, all right, I finished the worksheet. Everyone you, else is still working on it. I'm going to go like Jared, put, put you two have pieces of lead in the electrical outlet and see if what happens. Oh, yeah. See, you have personal problems, man. If you are in third grade. <laughs> And you are getting suspended. It's one thing to get put in the corner or, you know what I mean, or your recess is taken away from you, this, that, and the other. But if you're getting suspended in third grade, brother, you've got a problem. Girls have many problems. <laughs> Coming up next, <laughs> college football has been insane for the last month, and Oregon might get Chip Kelly back. I get up out of bed fired up. Sometimes the wife's like, hey, man, calm it on down. You ain't on air. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't always got to be shot. I just thought about you just waking up. Boom! <laughs> Scared the hell out of everybody. That's how you get out of bed. <laughs> Why are you scaring people, Q? That's how I roll, man. That's how I roll. That's what I do, man. I'm telling you. I'm the loudest dude at the building. I'm the loudest dude at the house. Uh, I'm telling you, man. It's it's. Uh, I don't have any. I, I don't know. I don't have any. I don't have any off switch. <laughs> I got to tell you the story that Ed told us a couple weeks ago where he apparently middle of the night sat up in bed and like karate chopped <laughs> his wife's leg 
<laughs> and then just laid right back down and went back to sleep. And he had no memory of it. He just, when he woke up, she was like, what the hell was that? Wow. Her leg was still hurting, apparently, from it. That's hilarious. And you know what? You, you have those kind of moments, man. I, and I've been, I've been the victim of that one time. The wife actually was punching me in the back, and I looked at her. I was like, what is wrong with you? And she was disciplining one of our children. So <laughs> she, she was taking it out on me, but she was disciplining one of our children, which is, yeah, I was wondering what in the world's going on. So there you go. All right, coming up at 830, Kevin Kruger is going to join us ahead of UNLV's game tomorrow against Hartford. Uh, what do you got, Jared? Oh, I was just going to say, and uh, we we will be playing the song that references Kevin Kruger. Oh, yes. Very exciting. Oh, we can get Kevin Kruger's opinion on uh, some fun songs about UNLV basketball. But the college football world, like, it's been insane for the last month. Like, we've gotten to a point where big-time programs are like, you know what? We're just going to overpay the coach from another big-time program, and it's going to be just fine. And the most recent example of that is Oregon has asked UCLA for permission to speak to Chip Kelly. So Oregon lost Mario Cristobal. He went to Miami. Chip Kelly was uh, really good at Oregon, 46-7 and in the four years that he was at Oregon. He then left and went to the NFL, was under 500 in his four years as an NFL head coach. He's been at UCLA for four years. 18 and 25 at UCLA. However, they did go eight and four this last year. They did have a pretty good season at UCLA. So if we look at this from the Oregon perspective, Q, do you believe, you know, we're like almost a decade removed from when he was good at Oregon, that Chip Kelly can just go back to Oregon and right back at it. Oregon is successful under Chip Kelly. I mean, I want to say that they can, I want to say that he can, you know, I, I like the fit there at Oregon. Of course, that's where he made his name and he really was, I mean, he was killing the game when he was the head coach there at Oregon. I do think that they have the ability to go do that. Uh, it's always a little bit scary, though, when a coach uh, comes back, you know, for the second time to save the day. Uh, we obviously saw that in the NFL and close to home with the with John Gruden returning to the Raiders. But I think that Chip Kelly would do would do good, would do really well there at UCLA. So I'm I'm all I mean at uh, at Oregon, excuse me, I'm all for it if they do decide to make that move. Obviously, he coached at Oregon, so he has some ties there. But just on its face, would you rather be the head coach at Oregon or at UCLA? Um, well, I think Oregon because in L.A., it's USC city. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you just you know, you're USC's little brother, no matter what. And I know nobody from UNLV is going to or from UCLA is going to want to hear that. But that's the reality of it. USC runs L.A. And so, uh, yeah, I think that Chip Kelly would actually be in a better situation for himself in Oregon. Yeah, I I think it's interesting because obviously it's it's Los Angeles and UCLA. There's some potential there, but I, I do think the answer is Oregon because Oregon is right now a contender, right? The right. Pac-12 obviously has struggled to get teams in the college football playoff, but Oregon is the team in the Pac-12 that you most years look around and say, yeah, if somebody's going to do it from the Pac-12, it's Oregon, and Chip Kelly was really good when he was there. So I, I think the answer is Oregon simply because that's given you the best shot as a coach to have a you know, 10, 11, 12 win team and go to the college football playoff. And especially if we do get expansion of the college football playoff, Oregon would be in good shape most years to be in as a, if it's top eight or if it's top 12, Oregon's going to have a pretty good shot. UCLA has got even now still a lot of building they've got to do to get to that point. I mean, we're talking about eight and four. Is it being a good right. year for them recently? That's not really anything special. Now, 
the world of college football. We have seen USC take Oklahoma's coach. Yep. LSU take Notre Dame's coach. Miami take Oregon's coach. Oregon <laughs> might go take UCLA's coach. Like the top of the college football world, these schools have just decided we're going to overpay for a guy at another good school. We've also seen it a little bit sort of at lower levels. Colorado State just went and took Jay Norvell yeah. from Nevada. We yep. haven't seen a lot of, hey, you know, this coordinator, we're going to hire him and bring him on. It's just been straight poaching a guy. They're like, who's the best coach? That guy is. Let's give him a whole bunch of money. I kind of love it. Like, it's absurd that you can be Oklahoma and just lose your coach. Like, I kind of love the idea that no school is really safe from somebody else coming and poaching their coach. Yeah, no, I, I like it as well. You know, and, and uh, for a long time, man, Lincoln Riley was talked about being in all kind of different locations. Even the NFL, the Cowboys were rumored to want Lincoln Riley for a while, and it never happened. And all of a sudden, when he decided to bolt and head to USC, I mean, it, it blew my mind. I thought we'd never see it, but boom, here we are. And, and you know, to your, your point, that's how the whole coaching carousel went except for at Notre Dame where they just, yeah. they, you know, put Marcus Freeman in that position. And I'm excited about that. That gave me a little bit of juice to say, I want to see what Notre Dame's going to do and see if he could take that next step and be that guy. Because if he can, then maybe other coordinators, when this happens again, when the coaching carousel opens up and starts rolling, maybe these programs will say, instead of going and getting Lincoln Riley out of Oklahoma, I'm going to elevate my guy that I feel, feel like can bring some energy and some juice to this program. I might be ageist, but every time I see a young guy hired to be a head coach, I, I like it. I don't know anything yeah. about Marcus Freeman, except that he's 35 years old, and I'm like, hell yeah, that's going to work. I love his energy, though, and obviously I'm an energy guy, but I love <laughs> his energy. I just love what he brings to the table. Even when he was a defensive coordinator at Cincinnati, you could see that he had a little something. Now, being a head coach is a different ball game. The players love him right now, so we'll see what happens. But that's a guy that will make me tune in to watch Notre Dame football. I mean, we've seen that head coach being a different ball game with the Raiders, right? I mean, everybody, uh, the players seem to unanimously love Rich Passaccia. Right, like, it seems did. like there's no lack yep. of respect or love for Rich Passaccia, even now. Right. But being a head coach, I don't think Rich Passaccia has actually been very good for the no. Raiders, and I think he's hurt them more than he's helped them. So I think it's pretty good evidence that, yeah, you can be loved by the players. You can have the great, you know, meeting with the team saying, I'm sticking around, I'm your head coach, let's go do this. But you're taking that next step up, and you got to actually prove that you can oversee the whole program and not just a certain portion of it. Agreed, agreed. It's not the it's not the same ball game, man. Being a special teams coach, and that's all you really have to worry about. And being the head man, the CEO, is a different ball game. So Marcus Freeman's got his work cut out for him. But again, I'm intrigued to pay attention to see how it shakes out and if it works in his favor. Because if it does, it could open the door for others to be in that same situation a year or two from now. All right, coming up next, Kevin Kruger joins the show. Rice back out top to Williams, fakes the three, comes in the lane, gets absolutely hammered and no call. Now they call an offensive foul? Are you kidding me? That was that was five seconds after the play took place and both players jumped in the air. Kevin Kruger looking at the official saying, out to make that play. Joining us now is Kevin Kruger, UNLV taking on Hartford tomorrow. But coming up on December 22nd, they're taking on San Diego, and you can get the family four-pack, four tickets to the game, four hot dogs, four sodas, four boxes of popcorn, 
$60 per packet. That's $15 per ticket. Available online at unlvtickets.com or over the phone at 702-739-FANS. Must purchase by December 21st. Good morning, Kevin. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good. How do you how do you feel about this song? It's uh, <laughs> it's a remix add- about UNLV basketball. I think this is yeah, from your I'm era of playing, too. Yeah, I, I, was, I was hearing it, and I got to know where to get it. <laughs> it's deep in the Lotus audio files. We, there's a few of them. We can play more of them for you throughout the year if you'd like that. Um, that but... would be awesome. Every time, walk-up music. <laughs> there it is. So, uh, Kevin, I do want to ask you, uh, you guys playing Hartford tomorrow at Mandalay Bay. Uh, you guys managed to give away uh, free tickets to that game. And by the way, I've been told, I said earlier that they were sold out. Apparently, they are going to have more available later today. So if you go to the AXS website and find the UNLV Hartford game, there should be some more free tickets available. But I'm curious, how like how did that come together in the last few days for you guys to find a way to give away free tickets to that game? Yeah, it just came. I mean, after the game uh, the other night in Seattle, we just wanted to think of ways that, that we could get more people out to support the guys. And uh, that, that's kind of something that, that came to light and became an option uh, working with the people involved. And we were just happy that we could come to this conclusion Saturday afternoon, you know, noon tip off, uh, you know, let's just get some people there and, uh, and get some uh, support for the guys. How important is that just to get that support, knowing that, you know, being in Las Vegas is tough with so much things that are going on. There's so many different options out there, but you know, just to be able to have those guys have, have some support from the hometown crowd. Well, I mean, as we all know, you know, I mean, any the the support. I mean, even it uh, going back even to the UCLA game, you know, it wasn't sold out by any stretch. But I had a number of people when we kind of made a little run there in the first half and a little run in the second half. The fans really got into it, and I think yeah, I think I think we can all agree on how passionate the UNLV fan base is about uh, running Rebels. So. Uh, Compared to most places, you know, one UNLV fan can make the same amount of noise as a handful at, at other places. So uh, getting more people there um, with the passion and the, the, you know, the love that you know, the city has for UNLV, I think uh, they can make a huge, huge difference. And, and it's great for the guys to see. Um, you know, obviously COVID has done a, a number on a lot of things. And uh, for, for these guys, it's been a while, you know, for since they've been able to play in front of people. And so as you play in bigger crowds, it just starts to feel more and more kind of like it used to be before um, COVID kind of threw a wrench in things. All right. We got to see, I think it was five minutes and 18 seconds of Victor E. Walker play for the first time this year. And you guys did not allow a single point when he was on the floor. He forced a turnover on his first possession defensively. Uh, I, you brought in a whole bunch of transfers. I'm, you know, I'm sure you had an idea of what each guy was when you brought him in, but obviously you still need to see them do it. Is that exactly what you expected v- Victor Ewalker to be for this team defensively? It is. I mean, I mean, from day one, I mean, we've, we've known, I mean, obviously coach Hartman had him at Oklahoma. Uh, I was at OU when we recruited him. Um, obviously I know the former coach pretty well. And, you know, I it just, this is, that was exactly the type of, impact that Victor can have in a positive way for this team. It's an added element. There just aren't a lot of guys in college basketball that are are built like Vic, that can move like Vic, um, are defensive minded like Vic. And 
that's why I think, uh, you know, having him not in, able to, to be on the team and out in the games or even in practice so far until the last week was, was kind of a, a huge hit to the group. And, and I think he showed what he's capable of, and, and we'd love to see more of it. Coach, with you bringing in as many transfers as you have, how, how, how close to gelling do you think this team could potentially be? Because it's, it's, I mean, you get that experience on the hardwood. So how, how close do you think that they are to everyone knowing what everyone does really well? Uh, well, to be honest, I think it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, it clicks at different times for everybody and for every team. Uh, I don't think we're far away. I really don't. Uh, they're getting better, but I do think we're still kind of waiting for that aha moment mm-hmm. where like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then, and then things will really just start to make even more sense. But uh, even with that being said, I think that the guys have continued to work. They have continued to work every single day. Uh, we've, of course, you know, we, we threw a schedule at them that, you know, probably wasn't, you know, expected. And, uh, and but we're proud of them the way they work, the way they've, They've competed, the care that they have, and uh, and we're just excited for them as it keeps going because I, I still think that, and some might disagree, but I still think we've gotten better every week that uh, since we've started. So it's still fun. It's still exciting, and uh, it's still a joy to come in here every day and work with them. Kevin Kruger with us again. Uh, family four-pack of tickets available through UNLVTickets.com. You get four tickets to the game against San Diego on December 22nd, four hot dogs, four sodas, and four boxes of popcorn, all of that for just $60. That's $15 per ticket uh, for that game against San Diego on December 22nd. Uh, Kevin, I want to ask you about Mike Nuga. We talked about it a little bit after the game against Hartford, but you know, you guys have sort of an, an emotional heated locker room after the loss to San Francisco. Like as a coach, when you see that, do you view it like, I guess, as players – taking ownership of the own of their own team. Like how much do you, I guess, coach or interject when something like that happens with Mike Nuka? Well, yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, when, when you say like emotion, what, what, what was that from? I assume losing a game. Right. But like, I mean, in the, out of the locker room, like where, I mean, yeah, it's in the locker room. Like, Guys are, are going to be passionate and excited and, 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 and emotions are, are running high. And when you ask about a, a coach interjecting, we absolutely don't interject unless it becomes personal, hmm. which it didn't. You know, nothing that was said was, was an attack on anybody. Uh, guys were frustrated with a loss, but everything was constructive. Everything was, was in positive light. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, we feel it's okay to be upset after a loss and, uh, and showing emotion and passion and, and, and not wanting to lose. We love it. Mm-hmm. We absolutely love it. I would have been very disappointed had we walked into that locker room and the guys were just ready to get on the plane and go. Right. Um, and they weren't. So I absolutely encourage it. We, we, we love it when the guys speak up when they speak their mind, because even if it, if we feel as a staff that maybe they're a little off base or if they're a little in the wrong direction, at least we're talking about it. And at least maybe we can get back on the, on the same page, but no, no, no. I think, uh, yeah, I think that got a little twisted. Um, I wish it would have been maybe talk to me about because we, we encourage it. 
We want the guys to talk. We want them to show their emotion and their pride and their care. Because at the end of the day, you know, they've got the ability. And, and when they care, that's why we're still positive. That's why we're still excited and encouraged for the rest of the year, because we know they care. Yeah, you never want to be uh, okay with, with losing. You know, you want to see guys fired up, and I've always been told it's better to have a guy you say, hey, I need to pull you back a little bit instead of trying to push a guy. It's hard to push that passion. So uh, that's how teams develop. That's how teams grow is having those kind of moments and not having to have a coach interject, but instead kind of self-coaching, you know, let the players coach themselves. Well, no question. You know, the, the common phrase in the basketball world used now is better to say woe dogs and sick them. And I think that's uh, that could be an instance right there that uh, where that uh, kind of phrase rings true. All right, uh, Kevin. I asked you after the game about uh, defensive deflections. How many did you guys get against Hart or against uh, Seattle? Hey, you know, I didn't. I didn't know the number. Oh. I, I actually didn't even ask about it. I. I can't. Are you coming to practice today? Yeah, I'll be there. Okay, I will get that number for that specific <laughs> number for you. I apologize. That one's on me. I will take one hundred percent of that. <laughs> What the, well what what's the goal like you you guys have a goal I think in mind what's the how many do you want per game? Um, yeah, we don't have a specific number. We do have keys um, and deflections kind of just are, are under the umbrella of one of our defensive keys. And uh, so while we don't have a specific number um, because we we we've kind of with this group we've we've changed. You know we've evolved through the what it's been now six months since we got him. You know, we started, the, the summer was spent with a lot of trial and error. So we didn't necessarily want to put hard, fast rules on this, that, or the other. But obviously, you know, the numbers have shown, you know, a certain number of deflections leads to this, that, or the other. And, uh, but, I mean, anytime you can get, be disruptive. That's our thing. That's, that's what we talk to him about. You know, be annoying, be disruptive, uh, you know, get guys to shoot the shots we want to shoot. So while we don't have a, a necessarily a hard fast number, um, we, we just in, in, encourage activity and encourage disruption. How much, how much can the, the tough non-conference schedule that you guys have played, and you guys have played a tough non-conference schedule, prepare you for conference play and even, even give you a leg up because you have been you know, uh, thrown into the fire immediately? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you. We have played a very tough non-conference schedule, a very, very tough one, and with a new group. And we threw these guys to that schedule. Uh, not necessarily, I think, to, I wouldn't say we're, we're getting an advantage over any of the other teams in the conference, but what we've had to do with the new group is we're having to play catch-up. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, playing at SMU, playing at San Francisco, playing in the Roman main event, uh, even UCLA at home, I think what we have done is shown this group what they're going to see in conference. When we go to San Diego State, when we go to Utah State, Colorado State, they'll be able to look back at those road games and, and say, we have been in these environments, right? And, and not necessarily identical, of course, but we didn't have a lot of opportunities with this group to be in uh, those types of atmospheres and, and against those types of teams unless we played that non-conference schedule. So, but at the same time, you know, there's a handful of teams that have been through it for a couple of years. So uh, we've still just got to emphasize, you know, how important it is to, to be detail-oriented and, and all, the, all the sayings and cliches that go with it but still ring true. You know, every, you know, every possession matters, you know, the details of the scouting report. But I, I think uh, it can't hurt 
I, I, I'm a firm believer that it absolutely can't hurt. Um, yeah, you, you get stung a little bit. Your confidence might struggle for a few days, but, uh, you know, we got to get past that. Right. And I think uh, at the end of the day, looking back on that schedule, the, the non-conference schedule, once we get to conference, we'll, we'll be proud of, of what we put them through. All right, important question for you, Kevin. We had Justin Emerson, who covers the Golden Knights, on the show earlier this week, and he told us that his family's Christmas tradition was to eat lobster. Uh, my family, we ate oyster stew, so I feel like I absolutely got screwed there. What is a basketball family's Christmas tradition? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good. Ooh, man, I I can't even imagine how many people I'm gonna upset or offend with this one. But like, growing up, we didn't really have one. Um, I remember, you know, grow, you know, we we would travel to see family, so a lot of times we were in the car on Christmas Day and heading back to a night practice for wherever my dad goes. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> My my wife, I'm sure, has got one she wants to start implementing now that we're going to be a little more firm in our roots around Christmas time with the two little ones, of course. But, uh, I mean, the one thing we actually – that we always had growing up, even no matter where it was and regardless of the holiday, was pumpkin pie. All right. All right. I, I enjoy – so We kept that one through. So it's pumpkin pie and basketball practice. Those are the two traditions. <laughs> yep. Watch uh, watch some football. Watch some uh, – <laughs> NBA and, and some pumpkin pie. Well, he is Kevin Kruger, UNLV taking on Hartford tomorrow, but also the family four pack for the game on December 22nd against San Diego for tickets, for hot dogs, for sodas, for boxes of popcorn, all that for just 60 bucks. That's $15 a ticket. You can find that at UNLV tickets.com. Kevin, we appreciate it this morning. No, thanks guys. I appreciate it. So there is Kevin Kruger. Uh, Q Christmas, you eating anything good or is it something that you're kind of like, Oh, it's oyster stew. No, no, I don't have any idea what I'm eating for Christmas. I don't even know what day Christmas is on, wow. man. We're going hard in the paint, you know, full throttle. All right, just don't do not do eight hours of radio on Christmas. Just, I might. I, I'm not, just so you know. I will not be doing eight hours of radio on Christmas. <laughs> this, is, this is an odd time to tell your boss that. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, here we go. We've got a six-foot sub from Porta Subs. It's the Porta Subs tailgate tray to give away right now. Plus... You'll be entered to win a new Yeti cooler, all thanks to Finley Volvo Cars, Las Vegas. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. You'll win a six-foot sub from Porta Subs and have a shot at a new Yeti cooler. Caller number six at 702-364-1100. I don't think that that would be necessary, you know. We played in a lot of inclement weather. I still think you can run screen passes, you can run run solutions, you can run keepers. I think you have to take some shots down the field. Regardless of how bad uh, the wind is, you have to find a way to, to keep them honest, even if you're throwing an incompletion. Well, that's a lie. The Patriots just won a game without doing that. Come on, Aaron Rodgers, get it together. Now, congratulations to Nate. He won the Porta Subs football tailgate tray and has a shot at that new Yeti cooler. Coming up next hour, it's the Press Box Holiday Hookup. On ice. We have tickets to Disney on ice when they come to Thomas and Mac January 6th through the 9th. Plus, you'll have a shot to win a 55 inch 4K smart TV. That is coming up next hour, the Press Box holiday hookup. Um, all right. I love the pettiness of college football and I love mm -hmm. how uh, far it reaches into actual society. Like, it doesn't just sort of stay confi confined 
in the world of college football. It seeps into everything. There is a senator in Oklahoma named Bill Pullman who wants to name the last three inches of Highway 325 after Lincoln Riley. And his statement was, I felt the state of Oklahoma needed an appropriate goodbye to this former head coach whose sudden departure left many in shock, including a team of young, dedicated college players. I found the tiniest section of our most desolate of highways to pay tribute to Coach Riley's exit from Oklahoma football and the state. This is only fitting as it is the last three inches one sees before leaving our great state and heading west. Oh, I love pettiness, and this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. You love petty? No it's way. It's so great. This is screaming super petty. And, <laughs> oh, man, he, he spent more time worrying about a statement than, uh, I mean, than that was even worth. But, oh. yeah, it's screaming petty. That is about oh. as petty as it gets. I, I feel like I, I've lost some of my life after even listening to his <laughs> explanation on that. You know what I mean? Like, man, I could have done something productive with that time in that he spent coming up with that no this is more productive uh what there's cannot be anything more important in the state of oklahoma for their legislature to address right. than naming the last three inches of this highway it is the highway that leaves the panhandle into new mexico like that's that's where we're talking about where presumably nobody lives and they want to put the last three inches and name it after lincoln riley i I love it. Like, I put up a sign, make it massive. He said he's going to pay for all this, too, by the way. So he's not taking state money or anything like that. He'll do it. I, it's great. This is, the, as a sports fan, this is what I want my state legislature doing. Fix the roads, no, dude. The Fix roads the roads. Fine. No, the I've driven through there. <laughs> Fix the roads. I don't care about the three inches. Fix the roads. <laughs> nah, it's fine. It's fine. By the way, you came from Texas. Texas has good roads. Sure. They do. Okay. Yeah, the great roads. Drive all the way through that state. It takes you four days. Yes, it does. But it's good roads. Okay. That's fine. That's better. Listen, better roads than Mississippi. <laughs> That's my basis for everything is Mississippi roads Because they're awful. paved. Right, but exactly. That, they're paved. But also, yeah, Mississippi's like built on quicksand. There's potholes everywhere because it's just, it's just gone. You put the asphalt down and then all of a sudden the, the dirt's just gone below it.